episode 209 of the Throwdown Thursday podcast. I'm your host, Patrick Rahal, but you can call me Patchy the Angry Nerd. And look at that. I was able to get through my name. Oh, Ray, we're, we're, a, we're one for one. That, yeah, I, I've got the makings of the beginnings of a streak. <laughs> yeah, one in a row. Uh, we are brought to you here in the Pat Cave down in Magenta Manor. We are brought to you by... Deadly Grounds Coffee, because we are part of the Dorking, Dorkening Network. See, I, mean, I always got to fuck something up. Uh, but I am, of course, not alone. I am broadcasting here with my co-host on the show and my co-host in life. She is the Baroness of Bordeaux, the Countess of Chard... No, I, it's Cabernet. Cabernet. <laughs> I knew it was. I was like, the Char- no, Chardonnay. No, it's all the same thing. You say the Countess of Sharks. So I was like, yeah, that kind of <laughs> works. Whatever. The Mistress of Merlot. Got that one. The Real Housewife of Transylvania. The Michael Phelps of Wine. The Queen of the Monsters. And an Honorary Lizzie. Ladies and gentlemen, it is Ashes Von Nightmare. And just like the character we are talking about today, I too bathe in the blood of my enemies. Uh, yeah, I mean, it takes a lot of enemies to fill up the uh, the bathtub here at Magenta Manor. Uh, what we really need is like a, a like a jacuzzi that kind of runs on like a like a slurry. Like that's so it's so much easier. Uh, a a slurkuzzi. Jack Slurry. I'm just going to stop. Yeah, that's probably a good idea. I'm just going to quit while I'm ahead. Well, we are not alone today. We are joined by a fantastic guest that we have wanted to get on the show for quite some time, and we were finally able to make it happen because he is uh, just an international rock star. We are just so excited to have uh, all-around awesome dude and phenomenal photographer Jeremy Saffer on the show today. Jeremy, how are you? Great. Doing good. How about you guys? We're doing all right. Can't complain. Making the most of the uh, quarantine situation that we've got going on. You know, she's going out to work. I'm still working from home. Um, slowly. I don't know if I'm going insane. But You've you been go there for insane? a while. <laughs> Maybe like different varieties. I'm kind of like branching off like in an RPG. You get like different skill trees. And I'm going like stir crazy. How about you? How uh, how have things been while you've been uh, in quarantine? I do see you have this uh, amazing quarantine beard. Yeah, yeah. This shaving is overrated, so I'm just letting it go and get epic and then trying to figure out something different with the facial hair, do some sort of different design with it. Because yeah, you always have the phenomenal mustache. Yeah, but I'm, I, got, uh, I have an idea for for it moving forward and if i can make it happen it'll be really cool excellent see i can't grow a mustache i look like i sleep in a boxcar and lure children into my gingerbread house like it's just (laughs) mustache is not a good look for me it's it really isn't so i uh i tend to just go with the uh the pink beard and whatever i happen to do around that that's my thing awesome so i know that things have been uh have upset your normal way of life because you're usually like at every concert photographing all the cons like you know we've been talking about all this stuff affecting us you know and obviously this has affected you too because you know not only is this like this is what you do it's also a really fucking good time so you know if i were to if i were to say what do you miss more do you miss concerts or conventions more what's uh 
What's your take on that? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, well, in terms of conventions, Rock and Chalk is different than every other convention I go to because every other convention I go to, I'm usually going as a fan with Tara on kind of like a date sort of thing. It's like our thing to go to different conventions. And, you know, we have friends from working and, mm-hmm. and whatnot that we get to see. Um, Rock and Chalk is, you know, my favorite three days of the year every year because I get to, you know, one, be a photographer, two, be a fan and photograph people I'm a fan of and, you know, have my booth there, meet so many people. It's great. Um, concerts are hit and miss in that I don't always like the bands that I'm going to photograph, but I always get to see friends at concerts, you know, between venue staff, people in bands, touring crew, stuff like that. So, you know, I miss them all for different reasons. Yeah. I, I was kind of curious. Cause like we've been, this is something that ashes and I have been talking about because, you know, we attend a lot of concerts. We attend a lot of the same cons that you guys do. We see you guys all the time and that's how we met was at rock and shock. Yep. So now, for, uh, for folks who are unfamiliar with the show, what we like to do when we have a new guest on for the first time is a little thing we call getting into character, where we ask you a series of totally random questions and kind of get your take on you know, some topics that we're not necessarily going to be discussing on the show or you know, maybe not your area of expertise, but stuff that makes you think. So, Jeremy, are you ready for your getting into character questions? I'm ready. Hit me. So my first question for you, because I always ask this of, of folks who do, you know, uh, you know, photography or filmmaking for a living. If you could go back and document one event throughout history. Now, you wouldn't be intruding on anyone. You'd be in a little time sphere. You would just be observing and recording one event throughout history. What would it be? So do you mean like as a photographer, like photographing the event? Yes, you'd be documenting it, photographing it, like, you know, provide like, here is the proof. This is exactly what happened. Now, do I get to, in this hypothetical situation, bring the proof back with me and show people the proof? Yes, yes. Uh-oh, you froze. Oh, I think you're back here. There we go. Okay. So yes, you can bring the you bring the the proof back with you. You are documenting something that you know maybe it's something that you've always wanted to see. You know maybe you know the you know asteroid hitting and wiping out the dinosaurs or you know something crazy like that. It's like there's no limit. Now, if I want to be facetious, I would go back and photograph you know Jesus doing anything, being like, look, he existed. He's not white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that would be the first thing. Uh, I don't know. In terms of like classic concerts or something like that, um, Queen at Live Aid, that would have been a sick one to shoot. That was one of the most epic concerts of all time. Um, Jimi Hendrix at Woodstock? Yeah, Hendrix at Woodstock or at, at the Montgomery, was it Montgomery Festival where he set his guitar on fire? Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's or Monterey Festival. I think it's something, yeah, like, something like that. Yeah, I don't know. Honestly, early Black Sabbath with early Ozzy. 
that would have been awesome to photograph. There's so many. All right. It's a good it's a good thing. I mean I, I you know, I, I think if it was if it was me, I'd want to like go back to like some specific like, you know, I'd probably do what you did, you know, like you were saying. I'm like, oh, look, there's Jesus, you know, like, yep. he's walking on water. He's not a white dude. Sorry. Like, I don't know why. Or he why can't walk on water. Look, he's walking inside water. Yeah. Like, <laughs> why would you think, why would you think he's a white guy? I don't understand. Uh, Ashes, your turn. So, I think it's pretty safe to say that you are an avid horror fan. I want to know... Which piece of horror memorabilia would you love to add to your collection? It could be anything. Uh, oh, original layman configuration from Hellraiser 1. No oh, question. Perfect. Very nice. Yes. Very nice. Yes. Yeah, that's a... I, I have one from Part 3. I have Freddy's glove from Part 3 and from Freddy vs. Jason. I have the uh, Jason mask that was used in the promo photos for... Uh, final chapter, you know, the cover with the mask and all the blood. Oh, really? I have the mask and knife from the cover, oh. and I had the blood created. So I have a lot of, uh, and I have some some things from Hellraiser 3 where uh, in the bar scene where the barbs came out and, like, attacked people, I have a few of those barbs. Uh, those are kind of my gems of my collection, for sure. That's pretty awesome. Oh, that is so cool. <laughs> Yeah, here I'm. I'm. I'm not. I was not expecting you to be like. Yes, I have all these like actual props. Like that's fucking awesome. Like that's so cool. Um, my next question is, because you are a a big concert guy, you're putting together a concert, and it's mm-hmm. you get three acts. You know, the opener, then you have your middle act, and then you have your headliner. Who are you putting together? And this anyone. Like, you could have Beethoven open up for fucking Daft Punk if you wanted to. Like, you know, there's there's no limits on this. Uh, Beethoven would be interesting to see live. I mean, he never performed live, I don't think. He just mostly, like, composed and did a... Uh, yeah, but uh, this, is, this is your hypothetical. You can do... All right, so for sure, Dehumanizer era Black Sabbath with Dio that would have been cool they're only playing those three records and you know some aussie classics which dio singing aussie isn't that great it's okay but you know dio singing dio is better i would say they would headline for sure um immortal with abbeth 90s around at the heart of winter that era for sure and then Nevermore, Dreaming Neon, Black Era. Okay. That's a solid lineup. Yeah. You have been known to frequent the House of Mouse. What are three of your favorite things to do when you go to Disney? Uh, be with Tara. That's definitely number one. Aww. We got to go to Disney for the first time together uh, before the pandemic hit. And that was just the best time ever, getting to share everything I love to do there with her and her falling in love with it, which was great. Um, you know, people watching, pin trading, hanging out with my friends. Disney's all about, like, who you go with. It's not about what rides you go on and what you do while you're there. It's about who you're with. So getting to hang out with friends and 
do different experiences together is definitely like the number one thing, Tara being, you know, number one on top of that. Um, people watching is always so much fun there. Uh, and then, you know, of course the rides are great. Mansion, Space Mountain, Big Thunder, always the favorites. And then I'm a pin trader as well. So I walk around with a lanyard and a bag of pins and continuously trade with people throughout the day. That's pretty awesome. See, we've never been. We were actually supposed to go this year, but, you know, recent events have prevented us from doing so. So we're hoping so for next year. Yes. So we're trying to talk to different people who have been, wanting to know their do's and their don'ts, some of their favorite things, some of their favorite things to eat, different spots to hang out. So I will give you the longest list. <laughs> Please do. Please do. So my final question, uh, Ash has kind of touched on this a little bit, but you know, obviously you're a big horror guy. What is a piece of non-horror memorabilia? that you would love to have in your home? Uh, anything from the crow, like the guitar from the crow, uh, the jacket from the crow, which is actually on sale in Vegas somewhere. And if I had the money for it, I would buy it. But uh, anything from the crow. Okay. that Yeah, that makes sense. Because mm -hmm. I know you're a big uh, fan of the crow, which, you know, we did cover, but I feel like we need to revisit at some point. And, uh, Yo, I will guest again when you talk the crow. I was going to sure. say, yeah, you, you abso are oh, absolutely. At the top of the list for that. Absolutely. One. So, we today are going to be discussing uh, Elizabeth Bathory, the Blood Countess. You know, she's got a lot of different nicknames. And you recently put together a project that you have been working on for over a decade. Yep. And. Why don't you tell the folks at home a little bit more about that? Because you're going to describe it way better than I am because this is your passion. All right. So I'll give you a little history to it as well. So they kind of have an idea. Um, I'm a music photographer, mostly photographing portraits of bands and celebrities. But on the other side of things, I also photograph fine art nude portraits for like galleries and photo books and stuff like that. Um, so being a musician, being a huge fan of black metal ever since I was little, I was always drawn towards, you know, kind of the darker sound, the darker look of everything, things being grim and creepy and evil. And I would always buy albums sometimes based on just the cover alone, not knowing who the band was, knowing that they were black metal from the cover and the logo and all that. So around 2007 or eight or so, I did a shoot for a clothing line called NLSL Clothing. And the photo shoot was a take on the famous uh, Pulp This Is Hardcore cover, album cover, where it's a nude blonde girl looking down and says, this is hardcore. Uh, not a hardcore band, which was interesting. Um, so the idea for the clothing uh, for the t-shirt was a nude woman in corpse paint that says this is black metal. So I shot it with a model named Lydia. We did the shirt shot and then she was a fan of black metal. I'm a fan of black metal. We were just like, hey, let's go all out and shoot a bunch of stuff. And so we ended up shooting in studio, on location. And I like those photos so much because it reminded me of that kind of artwork, like the Cradle of Filth merch or, you know, the Tristania album covers, the Mactatus album covers. 
that it became sort of a project and it just kept on going from there. So 12 years later and hundreds of models later, it's finally coming out in book form and it's called Daughters of Darkness and it's a bunch of fine art nude portraits of women in corpse paint. Um, some celebrities in there, musicians in there, models from all over the world in there. And yeah, it's finally happening, which is awesome. Now, you know, obviously one want to tell folks where they can find it and, you know, the different variants of this as well, because that kind of leads into what we're talking about today. Oh, absolutely. So the book is right now available for pre-order through the publisher, which is Rarebird. Um, you can get it at daughtersofdarknessbook.com, and that will lead you to the Rarebird website and all the different variation bundles that are available for pre-order. And the cool thing they're doing is they're adding on all this extra stuff with all the pre-orders. So, you know, you can buy the book on Amazon for $60 and get the book. And you get it like October 31st when it comes out. Um, you buy it from Rarebird, you get the book a month early, then you get like prints, um, pins, guitar picks, all sorts of extras for free. And then same thing with the other editions, which I'll talk about in a second. Um, and, and the cool thing about Rarebird is they made a Rarebird Dark Throne logo that they're currently using through their, you know, they publish books by like Sean Penn and Bella Thorne and all these well-known celebrities and then my book, but they have a whole black metal motif on their website right now to support my book coming out, which is really cool. Like the first meeting I went into with the owner, he's wearing a Sashirakon hoodie. So I'm like, okay, I found the right home for this book for sure. Um, so the editions that are available is the standard of it edition. That's going to be available in all stores late October. Um, then there's a, Bathory edition, which has an alternate cover and a slipcase and comes with some extras. It will not be available in stores and it's limited. Um, then there's an extra bloody Bathory edition, which is the same as the Bathory edition, but it comes with so many more extras and more extras we're actually adding to that bundle as we go. So it's not something that like if you bought it a month ago, you're not getting this. If you bought it a month ago, and if you bought it next month, you're still going to get these extra things we're adding, which is awesome. And then there's the final edition, which is the True Daughters of Darkness book, which is a different cover, a slipcase. It's hand-sewn, hand-put-together with 24 extra pages. And it comes in a wooden box with the logo on it and candles and a set of corpse paint and a whole thing where you can set up an altar and an altar for the book. It's, it's really epic. It's awesome how they put that box set together. Yeah. Like that one. Yeah. That one is just so fucking cool. Um, there's, just, Oh yeah. Yeah. Only 25 of them too, which is cool. Yeah. So even if, you know, even if you get one, like you know that there's only 24 other people that have them in the world, which is That's fucking amazing. Yeah, and I like yeah. the price point on that one too. The the price point, <laughs> yeah, is yeah, perfect. Yeah, and it's crazy because so much is going into, like, at first it seemed kind of a high price point to me until I saw like how much is going into it. They're definitely getting their money's worth, and then some. Oh yeah, especially which is awesome. especially for the fact that it's hand bound. I mean, yeah, like, oh, 
Man. Yeah, it looks it looks absolutely gorgeous. I know we have our eyes on the Bathory edition, the the extra bloody edition. Yeah. Uh, that's currently in our cart. We plan on purchasing that. I love this idea and the marriage of the corpse paint. And I, I think corpse paint is absolutely beautiful. I, I, I don't know why. I love it when people, you know, I go see bands and they have the, the corpse paint and stuff. There's just something so alluring about it. So I love this idea and I cannot wait to see what lies in store in the book. Oh, absolutely. And the cool thing is um, most like 99.9% .9 of the models in the book did their own corpse paint. Really? So it wasn't something where they like Googled Abbott or Googled you know, Gorgoroth or something like that and copied it. They just kind of came up with their own thing on the spot. Some came prepared with, you know, I want to do this corpse paint. I'm a big fan of black metal. This is what I want to do. It's not something from another band member. It's just my own thing, which was really awesome. But the fact that all the models kind of did their own thing was really, really cool. Yeah. I think that add just, that adds just an extra layer of authenticity to it. Well, that, and it makes it theirs too. Like this book is my book, but it's also, you know, it's, it's a big, a big thing for all the models involved because it wouldn't exist without them. And I know a lot of those models waited, you know, 10 years for, to, to even see their photos because their photos have been on lockdown until the book comes out. So everyone's really, really excited to see it, which is great. That's awesome. Like that's a really cool aspect. Now, how does it feel to have something that you've been working on for 12 years finally come out? Yeah, I mean, I'm elated. It's crazy because I've been, you know, this project's been going on and on and on and on. And I have tried to get it printed as a book a few times, reaching out to different companies and, you know, a lot of no's for different reasons here and there. Um, but now that it's finally happening, it's like, it's it's insane it's mind-blowing and the fact that the publisher isn't saying hey we need to do it this way this is how i want to do it because i'm the publisher the publisher's like how do you want to do it we're going to do it your way we're going to make sure you're happy with it we want to make sure we put in all the little nuances you want to put in there like all the little dumb details that are important to me are really important to them which is awesome you know you couldn't possibly ask for a better publisher yeah, that's fantastic. Like, I can't wait to see it. Like, when I found out you were doing it, I was just like, I can't wait to see this because I've seen your pictures. I know what you guys can do, uh, you know, between, like, the subjects that you have and your skill behind the camera. Like, you get the most out of, you know, whatever subject you happen to be uh, photographing. And, you know, it's this, it's not just your skill. It's the, like, the relationship that you have with the folks that are on the other side of that lens yeah yeah i mean the models come from all walks of life there's some people who have never modeled before and modeled for the book and that's it that's the only time they've modeled and they did it because either they were into black metal they were a friend of mine or you know they did it because they like my photography but then there's you know a whole bunch of rock and shock alumni like you know sarah french is in the book darian kane is in the book uh caroline williams is in the book um, you know, Ash Costello from New Year's Day is in the book. There's a lot of a lot of good friends of mine that are in the book, which is awesome. That's excellent. So what we're going to do is uh, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we are going to get into the uh, namesake of a couple of your editions, the uh, Bathory editions, and find out exactly why you chose to uh, 
to use that name. So we will be right back. Deadly Grounds Coffee knows how important your coffee is to you. Every batch is roasted to perfection with a unique special method that brings out the richest, deepest, smoothest flavor you'll ever find. We're coffee freaks too, and deadly serious about our brew. Just one sip and you'll know why we say, once you go deadly, you don't go back. It's truly coffee to die for. So when you're ready to get a little deadly, get online and order yours at getdeadly.com. It's coffee so good, it's scary. Shark Bites, Shark Bites Podcast. It's the greatest show in history. From the Dorkening Network, hosted by a nerd whose name Patsy. From movie reviews to tips on surviving the coronavirus, Shark Bites has it all. Follow us on Facebook and suggest topics at sharkbitespod at gmail.com. Available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hi, I'm Mike Price. I'm a writer on The Simpsons. I co-created Ephes for Family, and you're listening to Throwdown Thursday Podcast. character we've been meaning to discuss for quite some time because as you folks who have been listening to the show for a while know we really want to branch off into historical figures and kind of you know give you the difference between how they're portrayed in the media and pop culture to give as much historical background about them as we can you know and sometimes it's tough you know especially with uh, Elizabeth Bathory who died 400 years ago you know, accounts of what happened in her life may not be the most accurate because uh, bookkeeping was kind of spotty. And well, not only was... that, people in Hungary weren't allowed to speak her name for a hundred years after her death. Oh yeah, because you know everyone thought she hung out with witches and like they thought it was cursed. So nobody spoke deeds. about. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm <laughs> sure people spoke about it, but like nobody really spoke about it. So, you know, there's uh, there's some questions about the. You know, her exploits. Yes. So, uh, she was born in uh, she was born Erzabet Bathory on August seventh, fifteen sixty, and uh, she was prone to have seizures, and a lot of people put that down to the fact that her parents were first cousins. Well, because very she was Lannister-esque. <laughs> yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yes, but that's because she was born of nobility. There was some weight to her name, and that was typical of, 
you know, people at that time. They wanted to keep the bloodlines as yes. pure as possible. Yes. So, yes, her parents were first cousins. Now, you know, so she was born into wealth and nobility, and she, you know, was afforded an education. She spoke which, several languages. Right, you know, which, you know, a lot of women of that time didn't. And but but uh, because her parents were first cousins, you know, she was prone to seizures and uh, fits of rage. Yeah, she's oh, that, that, that's, I, I mean, I'm not quite sure what. I mean, I have fits of rage. You have fits of rage. So I'm not quite sure where. Well, that our, our fits of rage are <laughs> slightly more constrained by the laws of man and nature, whereas she thought it was hilarious when a man who had stolen something was sewn into the body of a horse. Not something that. You know, we do, although you know, maybe maybe that's something we bring back. That would definitely deter some people from certain crimes. Uh, but it's definitely a random thing. Uh, Jeremy, how familiar are you with Elizabeth Bathory, and when did you first um, kind of, when did she cross your radar, like, in your, your lifetime? Uh, for me, it was definitely Cradle of Cruelty and the Beast. When that album came out, I found it was, you know, an album completely based on the story of Elizabeth Bathory. And not knowing much about Elizabeth Bathory, I looked into it through, you know, the internets and whatnot. And then I ended up getting a couple books, uh, The Blood Countess, which I think is the best one. It's, you know, fictional, but it's amazing. I wish they would make a movie of that. That that book's incredible. Um, and then, you know, seeing the movies, reading more and more about it. And at one point, I was pretty well-versed with it. I don't think I'm as up to the trivia as I used to be back, like, you know, 15, 20 years ago. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Cradle of Filth was definitely my intro. And, you know, as you mentioned while we were talking between, uh, between things, it was really cool for Danny from Cradle of Filth to write the foreword to my book, which kind of brings things full circle where where Cradle of Filth merch and Cradle of Filth was my introduction to black metal. Their merch was my introduction to like nude art and metal. So very awesome for him to do that. And of course, you know, Elizabeth Bathory is always awesome. Yeah. We, uh, you and I, when we were discussing you coming on the show, we were talking about the, uh, the McFarlane toys version of uh, Elizabeth Bathory. And it turns out that this is one of those, uh, greatly exaggerated things because this depicts her in a uh, in one of those old clawfoot bathtubs, just absolutely filled with blood, and of course the blood of virgins. And you know, d during my research, uh, it turns out that that may not be entirely accurate. It might be one of those things that's kind of exaggerated for effect. I mean, that's also the cover of the Cradle of Filth record. It is. Yeah, it's I think the most album. iconic version of Elizabeth Bathory is her in a bathtub full of blood, whereas that would take, you know, lots of people to fill up that much blood. Yeah, you're looking at 10, 10 pints of blood. Well, I mean, you know, she is lot. in the Guinness Book of World Records as being the most notorious female serial killer having claimed victim and, and of course they don't have an, an exact amount so when she was put on trial which it wasn't really a trial it lasted a day they, they kind of skipped the trial and they just sentenced her yes uh to imprisonment in her own house 
So I mean, in a that, dungeon that, where but, she I mean, killed yeah, people. Yeah, but it doesn't suck too much. No, dungeons were terrible. But wasn't, but wasn't she bricked up in a tower or something? What the the thing that I saw said that she was dumped in the uh, the the same dungeons where she would keep some of her victims, and ah. the guy who did the investigation, like the king asked him to do the investigation, was actually friends with her husband, and on his deathbed, he asked this guy, hey, look after my wife. So he's like, all right, I have to be loyal to my friend's dying wish, but he's the king. So his whole thing was, okay, let's let's do our best to kind of honor both wishes. So... You know, he during the course of his investigation, he found, you know, and we'll get into this a little bit more uh, after, but he found what she was doing, you know, because she wasn't super secretive about it. And he's like, okay, we're not going to have a trial because we're not going to ruin your family name because she was still part of a good, you know, wealthy family. She had several children who had all married and moved on. Um, so as a way to kind of save face, they're like, all right, no trial. We're just going to sentence you. And, you know, they put her in the basement, in the basement, in the dungeon, which is way worse than a basement. Um, And, you know, at one point he went to visit her and she was just like berating him and like just going nuts on him. And he said something like, he's like, okay, uh, well, just so you know, like you're never going to see the light of, you know, you don't deserve the light of God to touch you ever again. And, you know, just went on like this whole like. Not, like, biblical, but, like, he cited a lot of, like, religious stuff. Like, you'll never see God's creation and, like, you know. So that leads me to believe that she was deep within the earth and, you know, not even a window. But they don't really know how many people she killed. Exactly. Because the when she was tried, they claimed 80. At least 80. They could account for 80. But a witness who viewed her bookkeeping claimed that there was upwards of 650 victims. And it's, it's also tough because she, she killed a lot of peasant girls. And it got to the point where she was buying children. You know, like the parents would like sell their children. And it's... Uh, it started to arise, arouse suspicion because it was like, oh, what happened? Oh, he died of cholera. What happened? Oh, she died of cholera. Oh, she died of cholera. Like, everybody just kept dying of cholera. Cholera was all the rage that season. <laughs> and it, it just uh, it just got, it got to the point where no one really paid attention until she started. Uh, she got some advice from one of her friends who was supposedly a witch. And they're like, oh, well, the what you need to do is you need to get some... Because uh, her family, she started to become poor. Like, you know, she was running out of money. So the witch is like, oh, if you go and uh, kill upper-class noble girls, then... You'll get all your money back. Like, well, not only that, put up the facade that you are running a school for girls. 
It was like a finishing to, school or to something. To lure these noble, you know, young girls into your castle. And then she would come up with these stories. It's like, well, why hasn't my daughter returned home? Oh, well, she was caught stealing jewels. Like, she killed this girl and stole her jewels and then felt guilty, so she committed suicide. Yeah, she went crazy and killed all these girls story. and herself. Like, it was so weird. Also cholera. <laughs> also cholera. <laughs> So, Jeremy, when you were coming up with the Bathory edition for your book, like, were there any other options, or was it always going to be, like, Elizabeth Bathory? Um, At first, it wasn't. It was first just called um, the special edition. About a week after it went on sale, it kind of dawned on me, okay, this is the only shot of someone covered in blood. Bathory is an iconic black metal band. And, you know, obviously they get their name from Elizabeth Bathory. And it just fits in both in that it's one, a callback to Elizabeth Bathory, and two, a callback to an amazing black metal band, one of the first black metal bands from um, from Sweden. So right. it's kind of got that duality where it's a Bathory reference in black metal and a Bathory reference for Elizabeth Bathory because she's covered in blood. Which is just... <sighs> It's so cool. Um, so I would assume, uh, again, being a horror guy, that you have seen uh, Hostel Part 2. Yes, with uh, Welcome to the Dollhouse. Um, what's her name? The actress. She's amazing. Uh, getting sliced open for the Bathory scene. Heather Matarazzo. Yes, she's amazing. She's awesome. You know what I knew her from? And this is like a kind of off topic, but like the... What I knew her from. The Princess Diaries. Incorrect. The Sheryl Crow video uh, that she did. It's like a change would do you good or something. Like she was in that. I'd never seen her in anything other than that. And I didn't know she was in the Princess Diaries until you watched them. And then she as a person, if you follow her social, she's awesome. Excellent. She's a very, very. Uh, she, she's out there doing the thing and it's awesome. That's always cool. So, Ashes, some of the research you did today was uh, kind of overlapped what I did. What do you think was, like, one of the most interesting things about her that you came across? So, I think it's the discrepancies between what actually happened and, and the folklore that surrounds her and the characters and art that she has inspired. So... Obviously, we know that she she allegedly didn't bathe in blood. However, she would love to make her victims super bloody. She would love to leave, I believe they said, handfuls. Like you could pick, scoop the blood up in your hands. You know, pools of blood surrounding her victims. And she would beat them so merciless, mercilessly that she herself would be covered in blood. So it's kind of like a, a version of, of bathing in blood. And it's not so much known if she was vain, you know, to the point where she would apply the blood for, for vanity reasons, like, um, oh, what's her name? Madame Delphine LaLaurie from... She was actually portrayed in American Horror Story by Kathy Bates. I am unfamiliar Who used to put blood on her face 
because she thought it made her look younger and more beautiful and more vibrant. And fun fact, you can actually get, they're called vampire facials, where they will have a licensed phlebotomist take a bit of your own blood and spin it down. So they're taking just the blood portion, not like the uh, The platelets. And they will apply it to your face because it is believed that blood can uh, minimize your pores. It can make color flush to your face. It can tone your skin. It can even up your skin tone. Like it does have these rejuvenating-esque properties. So there are places that you can go to have these, these vampire facials. Uh, so I think it's, it's kind of interesting how she's inspired a lot of not only what has gone into pop culture, uh, you know, especially in, in the horror universe, but, oh, yeah. you know, our beauty routines as well. Uh, Jeremy, how about you? Like, as you were doing your research, like you were saying, reading the books and, you know, you have the, the one book, uh, The Blood Countess, that, you know, is wildly inaccurate. What were some of the things that you were hoping were true, you know, because, like, it would just make this a more fascinating uh, historical figure? And what were you kind of like, I kind of hope that's not true? Well, I was kind of young when I read The Blood Countess, and, you know, I wasn't necessarily aware that it was as fictional as it is until I kind of read more into the book. Um, But I think I like that version of Elizabeth Bathory the best. Okay. I think there's been a better depiction of her fictional or, you know, I think the fictional version of her is cooler for sure. Like it's foundation is vampirism. You know, it's like she could be like the female Dracula. She takes the blood of her victims and uses it to bring life to herself. That's the whole kind of bottom line and foundation of the fictional Elizabeth Bathory. So I thought that was always something really cool because I'm a huge vampire nerd. Nice. You know, and of course, Cradle Felt being vampiric black metal, you know, that's probably why they gravitated towards Elizabeth Bathory as well. Yeah, sometimes the uh, the stories of what people did, you know, are like greatly exaggerated. But in this case, they it wasn't really that far off. It's like, okay, she didn't bathe in the blood of, of her victims. Well, at least there's no solid proof that she did that because like you said like that's going to take a lot well i mean and not only that you know blood coagulates once it hits the air so you know you can't really bathe in blood like not not just like straight up blood it would have she to be invented jello shots yeah <laughs> she invented <laughs> jello shots yeah well, i mean who's who's to say that she didn't you know oh i'm covered in blood i'm going to wipe it on my face right and see what it does Oh yeah, right. I'm I'm sure that happened many occasions. Like there were there were times where she uh, in the research I did, uh, I found that she would stick like nails or pins into the fingers of serving girls. Anybody who like made any slight mistake was severely punished. Like, okay, you're sewing something, you missed a stitch. I'm going to jab needles into your into your fingers. You know, like under your fingernails or you know, just something to cause you pain and, and torment. And she would say, if it hurts the whore, she may remove it, which 
you know, the girl took as, okay, I can take this thing out of my finger now. Oh, that's so great. And then she would cut the fingers off. Like, she, uh, so she got married when she was 14, but prior to being married, or she was 13, she was almost 14. Uh, prior to being married, she had an affair with a peasant boy, and her husband found out. And the peasant boy was subsequently castrated. And then once he kind of recovered from that, he was fed to wild dogs. Mm-hmm. And it's like, there's some dark shit going on. Like, these, these European 1600 people were, like, savage when it came to... It's because they had nothing else better to do. Right. See, this is what happens when, you know, you say, you know... This is what happens when you don't have television or video games. Video games inspire (laughs) violence. No, the lack of video games inspire violence. All these guys did all day was sit around thinking of different ways to torture and kill people. Um, You know, there was probably less crime back then because of the, uh, the severity of the consequences of any crime. It's like, oh, you coughed in the wrong direction. We're going to behead you, but first we're going to draw and quarter you and stab you while we're doing it. Yeah, we're going to... You're on fire. We're going to, you know, cut your feet off and roll you through this broken glass. Like, have fun. Like, it's... Yeah. Have a seat on the Judas Cradle. Oof. Right, we need to bring back medieval torture. That would cut down on crime real quick. Right? Yeah, yeah. None Except of this, for crimes uh, against humanity. I think those would go up a little bit, but, you know. Yeah, yeah, probably. Well, there was a uh, a movie you and I watched a few years ago that I thought uh, depicted it fairly well. Uh, it is The Countess, is what it's called, and is directed and starring Julie Delpy, and it's got Daniel Brühl as... Uh, uh, I don't know if he's a, even a real character in this. I don't know. But uh, it was it was an okay portrayal. It was a it was an okay story. It was focusing more on like her the like it was almost like a romanticizing of her because it was kind of like a love story between her and Daniel Brühl's character. You know, kind of like you know the uh, the book that came out, like the, the the true story of the the big bad wolf and the three little pigs, mm-hmm. where it paints the the wolf in like this. Oh, I'm such a good guy! Like all these things were accidents. Like <laughs> they kind of tried to do the same thing. If I'm remembering this correctly, which I might not be, it's been five or six years. But uh, it's an interesting. It's got a good cast, and you know, like one of the uh, the people that was in her life is uh, Anna Darvulia. I think I'm saying that right. Who is sure. <laughs> uh, rumored to be a witch, but like in the movie, it's like, yes, she's definitely a witch. So it's like, you know, you know, Elizabeth didn't do this on her own. It was like these supernatural forces at work, you know, trying to punish the the rich and the affluent, you know, because she had, you know, uh, she had immense immunity from the law because she was. A noblewoman, like peasants were not allowed. It's like, yeah, she uh, cut my friend's hands off and buried him in the yard. I can show you exactly where. It's like, whatever, you're a peasant. No one gives a shit about you. Why don't you go take his his spot? And she's like, yeah, I'll just keep doing it. Like, in even 
the nobleman that um, was supposed to investigate her was uh, Georgi Terzo was his name. I had to look it up because I couldn't remember it. Who in that movie is played by William Hurt. Um, you know, even he couldn't just be like, yes, uh, she's definitely doing this. You know, and it got to the point where he got himself and the king invited to dinner at Elizabeth's house. I say house, but her fucking castle. Castle. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And they go through dinner, they drink their wine, you know, they're enjoying themselves. And she's like, oh, here, have some cake. And they each took a bite of the cake and they're like, I don't feel so good. Uh, We're going to go. Um, attempted regicide, like that's that's a th- like that's how far she was willing to go to cover up what she was doing was attempted regicide. I mean, and even then they're like, yeah, I don't know if we can charge her with anything. Well, it's because <laughs> her family, like, she was giving money back to the state, like she was giving money. Yeah, her to... husband was this amazing warrior, but the war that they were fighting in against the Turks took uh, 13 years and it took a huge toll on the economy uh, of, of uh, Hungary and because her husband was like so high up and he was brutal like he taught her how to torture like and you know she already was getting pleasure from that anyways so he taught her how to torture and because he was you know like the head of the, the army he would bring home all these you know uh, all this the, the loot that he took from the opposing army and it got to the point where they were lending money to the crown to cover the cost of the war because they were so rich so it was difficult for them to turn around a few years later and try and you know it's like oh we appreciate what you did for the for the war and you know keeping us from being conquered but uh we're gonna have to put you in prison now (laughs) so i have a question because they haven't really come out with a good portrayal of the folklore character of elizabeth bathory in either movies or, or television or what have you so if they were making either a film or like a, a Netflix miniseries. HBO series. Who, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, it's maybe HBO. <laughs> Who would you want cast as Elizabeth Bathory? Ooh. You want to take this one, Jeremy? You want me to go first? So You, you can go first. I'll, I'll think about it because right. I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Um, if I were to take somebody who would have that, I mean... The first name that comes to mind, and I know you know who I'm thinking about. The first name that comes to mind is fucking Lena Headey. That you just stole my answer. <laughs> God damn you! <laughs> because we saw how great she was as, as, Cersei, as Cersei Lannister, who I think, especially in the books, has that enjoyment of torture. Um, they, they are they are definitely uh, cut from the same cloth, so uh, to speak. Maybe a little bit like there's that, you know, definitely her parents were cousins and she's prone to fits of rage thing. But I think Lena Headey could do it. But if we were looking at somebody younger, um, I think somebody who would be really good. 
um, because she's played a role where she was just out of her fucking mind when she was younger. Alicia Silverstone. Um, really? She was in a movie. I forget what the hell it was called. But oh, the, the Crush. Yes, with Carrie Elways, where she was like, you know, she looked like Alicia Silverstone in the 90s, but she was supposed to be like 15, 16, and she was obsessed with Carrie Elways, and like, you know, she was able to like manipulate everyone around uh, around her into thinking that they were having a relationship because he kept turning her down because he's an adult. Um, I think she would be really good at it. Uh, Natalie Dormer pops into my head as well because um, I think she has that that look. Um, not that she looks like uh, Elizabeth Bathory, but she has that regal, like, you know, again, Game of Thrones type um you know, as uh, Marjorie Tyrell Baratheon Lannister Baratheon. <laughs> uh, um, I think she would be good at it. Jeremy, you got something? I think it depends on which, how they depict her. If she's going to be the actual, like, 13, 14, 15-year-old, like the really young Elizabeth Bathory, I think Millie Bobby Brown would be really good. Ooh, yeah. Yes. Because she's really good at, you know being super emotive without any words for the most part. Um, if they're go going with like an older, not older, but like, you know, more adult Bathory. Um, I don't know. Like probably who are 20. Watch Game of Thrones, to be honest. Um, Honestly, I think Maria Brink isn't an actress, but she would be killer. Oh, my fucking She God. has the look for it. She has the like, look and the voice. Yes. Like, if you ever see her live, her um, yep. when she talks on stage, she's a queen. She would be amazing We have seen as an actress her. as Elizabeth Bathory. Mm. We have seen her several times, and we were, we were lucky enough to see the, what was it, the, the Girl Power Tour? <laughs> I that's what, what I called that's what it. You call it. it. Uh, Hailstorm and um, New, Year's New Year's Day. Day. Yes. When she does, when they do yes. the, uh, when it's her and Ash Costello doing the Black Wedding song. Yeah. Oh my fucking god, was that amazing? Yeah, that that tour was. Yeah, we've seen we've well we've seen her at the Palladium a few times. With uh, last time we saw her was with Motionless. So yeah, we Elizabeth yeah. Maria Brink as Elizabeth, as Elizabeth Bathory, yeah, that's a that's a good fucking pick right there. Like just her stage presence alone, mm -hmm. like, yeah, and the fact that she's like always surrounded by the Blood Girls. Mm -hmm. Yes, just yes. We need to you know, make yeah, this it would be her, <laughs> and especially with the new um, the new chapter of in this moment where Red is such a big color mm -hmm. in youth, you know, full scheme of, of the mother album, you know, you translate that to blood, which is their biggest song ever. I was going to say, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, like as I'm watching this, like I keep hearing like that refrain in my head over and over again, as I was watching the, uh, the thing about Elizabeth Bathory. Well, the way she commands an audience, like 
She'd be perfect. Oh yeah, she's she's got some power to her. Yeah. Um, oh, something just happened. Yeah, she uh, she absolutely could uh, could crush that. Uh, I totally agree. So I'm trying to think of who else. I think like if it was made, you know, 20 years ago, Winona Ryder would be killer. Christina Ricci would be absolutely killer. Mm-hmm. Um. Christina Ricci more so than Winona Ryder for sure. Yeah, because she was she was even as Wednesday Adam, she was slightly darker than uh, Winona Ryder as um, Lydia Dietz. Um, I'm trying to think of who else was like a really good creepy actress. Faruza um, Balk. Who Evil Dead movie was actually pretty good. Faruza Balk. Oh, Faruza Balk. I feel like she would be too over the top for it. Yeah, I think she could. Although, no, but she's a little over the top. She might. She could maybe play one of the. Uh, you know, I hate to typecast her, but one of the uh, confidence. Yeah. So witch. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, she's awesome. Tell me you've seen Return to Oz. Yeah, of course. All right. Just I'm just making sure. Like, yeah, I, I liked her in that a lot. Um, how about you, Ash? You haven't uh, you haven't said anybody yet. Well, I mean, you obviously chose my my top choice, Lena which is Lena Headey. I think Lena Headey could play pretty much anything that she wanted to, and I think she would be, you know, not just because she was Cersei Lannister, but her as Mama. Oh, in dread. In dread, was just perfection. And even uh, I forget her character's name, but the queen from Three Hundred. She was uh, Leonidas's wife. Yes, yes. So I mean, like she ov- obviously has this this regalness that she can portray, and you know, she obviously goes all in when she brings you know a character to life. I don't. All I can think of is Maria Brink now. Kate <laughs> <laughs> Blanchett would be amazing. Oh yes. shit! Yeah, yes, she that would. would that would be my second choice. Kate, Kate Blanchett does. An amazing job with everything she does. All right, you want to? Uh, I'll, I'll see you. I'll see your Kate Blanchett and raise you a Tilda Swinton. Oh. Especially after Only Lovers Left Alive. You just had to go there. You just had to drag <laughs> Tilda into this. You've seen that one, I assume. No. Oh, vampire movie with her and Tom Hiddleston. Hmm. And Mia Wasikowska and Anton Yelchin. Oh, Anton Yelchin was awesome. Yeah, yeah. It's a really it, it's a it's a love story, but it's really beautifully done, and the vampire aspect of it is it's it's interesting, and it, I, I really enjoyed it. Yeah, Tilda and Tom are fucking amazing in that. Like, I've def- never even heard of it. It's called the only only, only lovers left alive. Gotcha. And he's he's a musician too, so like he's a vampire and a musician. Like, yeah, it's it's fucking awesome. I a million percent recommend it. Check it out. Yeah, I I, I I'm I'm surprised you haven't heard of it. Uh, I think you would really dig it. So now that we know who would play, you know, or we've thrown some ideas out there for who would play uh, Elizabeth. Who would you want directing it? I mean, 
Oh, God, I don't know. Christopher Nolan. Really? I think he's got a real knack for historical pieces, especially after... Was it... He did 1917, right? No. no. He did Dunkirk. No. Dunkirk. That's what it was. Who the hell did 1917? Because that one... But Dunkirk was wildly inaccurate. It was just a you know, yeah. fictional piece for the most part. 1917 was insane. The single shot, like, yeah, for oh, the most part, single shot, yeah. Incredible. Um, I don't know. That's a... Like, there's a... You know, I, I wouldn't want it to be, like, an Eli Roth or Quentin Tarantino. Like, I'd want it to look like one of these historical pieces, like, you know, Dunkirk or... or, or um, 1917 or Hacksaw Ridge. Like, I'd want it to have that, um, you know, maybe, uh, I don't know, it's tough. If there's going to be, if you're going to include the battle scenes, like, if you're going to really, like, get into the history of who this character is and you're going to show, you know, kind of, for lack of a better term, her rise to power and you're going to have, you know, the, the, the war scenes, Miguel Sapochnik. Patty Jenkins. Patty Jenkins could do a, an amazing fucking job with. I mean, she did Monster, so she's not going to sit there and romanticize these characters and make them look. I mean, granted, you know, Elizabeth Bathory, she's beautiful, but like, she's not going to make this character look pretty. You know, it, it's not going to be, you know, let's get the lighting right for this scene, let's do this. It's going to be, you know, there's going to be a grittiness to it and an authenticity authenticness to it yeah how about you jeremy oh francis ford coppola no question what he did with 94 dracula if he could bring that to elizabeth bathory Mm. the set design the costume design the character design you bring that to bathory and it's perfect yeah i think you're i think you're right right there yeah that's that's a good call because I think 94 Dracula, or was it 92 Dracula, whichever it is, it's the best depiction of Dracula and the best vampire movie ever made. Gary Oldman, best Dracula. Sorry, Bill. Yeah, I mean, I wasn't overly sold as Keon- with Keanu as uh, Jonathan Parker. Parker, but I think the Gary Oldman, th- I mean, that's what got spoofed by The Simpsons. You know, like if that's what's getting picked up, like, you know that you've really, you know, made an impact. Well, I mean, you got, that movie's incredible. You got Tom Waits, uh, Anthony Hopkins, mm-hmm. Carrie Elwes, incredible cast. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I that one, for whatever reason, didn't even cross my mind. I was trying to think of, like, see, I like Miguel Sapochnik. You're not a, a Game of Thrones guy, but, like, all the major battles or for the most part, all the major, like, huge set pieces that are battles, he directed, and it's fucking insane. Um, hmm. I think, like, he could do that, you know, as far as, like, the uh, actual drama of it, I don't know if he's as good as his uh, battle sequences, but he's pretty good. Um Yeah, I don't, again, I think you knocked it out of the park with that. Francis Ford Coppola hmm. directing... uh Directing Maria Brink. Yeah, like, <laughs> that'd be epic. Let, let's let's make that happen. Who do we have? As to call? It's based off the Blood Countess book, then it's perfect. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And Maria can play, you know, 
later in life Countess Bathory where Millie Bobby Brown can play younger Countess Bathory. There you go. Solved. Yeah, I was going to say, I think I think Millie could go from, like, you know, whatever age up until, like, you know, late teens, early 20s, and Maria, who... Hasn't can, aged a yeah, day. Can, she can play 20 to, 20 to 40 if she wanted to. She Whatever age, like... She's like, yeah, I can, I can do that. Yeah, I mean, but if you want to go over the top and do a, like a ridiculous version, uh, yeah, I'll take Robert Rodriguez, Dust Till Dawn type uh, style on that one. But oh man, I would say like you get Miss Melissa McCarthy and Paul Feig, and you're you're solid. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that would be an interesting uh, an interesting take oh, no on the comment. character. <laughs> So, do we have any uh, uh, final thoughts on the character now that we've cast uh, the biopic? Yeah, this movie needs to get made. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's uh, let's talk to some people. Let's get a treatment. It needs to be done, and it needs to be done right. I think it needs to honor, you know, the actual historical legacy of of Elizabeth Bathory plus tie in with some of the folklore, what she's known for, even if it's not completely accurate. Yeah, I think the two witch characters, you know, we could get Feruza Balk and Helena Bonham Carter to play the witches. Um, Feruza can play the first one. Um, I forget her name. Devolia. And then um, Helena Bonham Carter can play the other one that comes in later in life that tells her to get the 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 um, the noble girls, um, I think that would work out. Um, Ooh, who's the Fanning from um, Neon Demon? She would be good as Bathory. Is it? I think it's L, the the younger one. Yeah, she'd be killer as Elizabeth Bathory as well. Yeah, because she's in that that show that you're watching. Yeah, I was watching uh, The Great. It's about Catherine the Great with Nicholas Holt. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, and she's pretty. She's pretty fantastic in that. Yeah, she's definitely got that that look where she can. Uh, she you can, can She can. Uh, so fucking much right now. Oh, that's on the recording now. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, Tara. I love you. <laughs> They're not recording video. I know, but that's just. Oh. It's all right. That's just bonus content. You can unlock that at Patreon level four. No. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I, I think uh, I found it very interesting that you know some of the uh, some of the stuff that gets romanticized about her. You know, and it's funny saying, like, "Oh, this is romanticized." Like, she was a brutal, brutal woman. Uh, there's not really much to romanticize about. Well, I think the fact that, you know, especially what they say about her bathing in the blood of virgins to maintain and, and you know, uh, preserve her, her beauty, it adds this vainness to her that kind of makes her quite vulnerable. See, I, 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 I think I know where it came from as I'm thinking about it. You know, it's based on stuff that you guys have each said, you know, like, you know, Oh, she bathes in the blood of virgins. Yeah, so maybe she slits somebody's throat and there's arterial spray everywhere. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, you know, she she liked being covered in blood. Like, like you know, it's almost like the 
being covered in the the Innocence. spoils of your killer. Uh, there's a totally more eloquent way to say that. It's it's like relishing in the spoils of of victory. That's it. No, I totally agree. Like it's the spoils of uh, of victory. It's almost like you know this conquest, but it's not like she was worried that like. You know, it's not like the Snow White thing where she was worried that, like, she was going to be usurped by, you know, a younger, more beautiful woman. Or, you know, she pretty much had everything in control. She was given everything. There was she nothing just that she liked wanted for. doing stuff like that. Yeah, she's Luther from the Warriors. No reason. I just like doing things like that. Um, but, yeah, I think that, the you know, finding out the difference between who she was historically and who she was uh in real life it was kind of eye-opening you know because like i had going into this doing the research like you know i had heard a few things you know i had done minimal research prior to this but like really getting into like who she was like i had no clue that she was you know married off you know two months three months before her 14th birthday and you know she had an affair with a peasant boy like that's not something i ever would have thought like, I didn't know that her husband is the one that was like, oh, you know what's super fucking great? Like, torturing bitches. Like, that's the best. <laughs> like, you know, here, I'm going to teach you how to do this. But like, just a, just a typical Friday night. But she hadn't been a killer until she met, uh, I got to look it up again, Devolia. Like, once she met her, then she started killing. Like, so she graduated from... You know, torturing to killing. Torturing to killing. I mean, she would still torture, but she would just not stop. <laughs> it's like, remember, it you can. Level. You're famous. You can get away with it. Like, um, how about you, Jeremy? Any final thoughts on uh, Elizabeth Bathory? Like, you know, maybe some of the stuff that you learned that you were, uh, you know, surprised to find out, or maybe even anything that you might have not known that you found out during the show. Well, I think this is what needs to happen. There needs to be a cinematic universe where Elizabeth Bathory and Dracula, Vlad the Impaler, come together. That would be fucking yes. awesome. Yes, yes to all that. And we have, you know, Elizabeth and Vlad being attacked by whoever, and they take on everybody. Oh, you know, it would be a great fucking, like, addition to that cinematic universe now that I'm thinking about it. Like, think of, like, the Avengers or the Justice League, but, like, it's all these, like, super badass women throughout history. So, like, you've got Elizabeth Bathory on one side. You've got fucking ching the, the the prostitute pirate queen. Um, you've got Boudicca. I mean, they all lived at wildly different times. So, like, but you could do, like, a League of Extraordinary... I'm sorry? Bill and Ted Part 4. There we go. <laughs> yes. <laughs> that would definitely be a very bogus journey. <laughs> um, but yeah, you could do like a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen type thing with uh, with all these historical figures, even though they didn't live at the same time. I mean, if you're taking liberties, fuck it, take liberties, you know? Yeah. That would be that would be cool. That would be really cool. So, Ashes, do you have any uh, final thoughts before we wrap up? No, I'm just really excited that we got a chance to talk about this 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 historical figure, this character, because she's, like I said last week, my, my favorite historical figure. There's something so intriguing about her, you know, from what we 
do know to what we don't know. It's kind of the same reason reasoning behind why people are so fascinated with serial killers. Yeah. You know, trying to understand the psychology of it, trying to, you know, understand, figure out where she's coming from, why she was doing the stuff that she she did. And there's just I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it. I just I just think she's neat. <laughs> um, so, Jeremy, before we uh, wrap up and let you go, I do want to tell you a little story. Um <clears throat> So a while back, like when Ashes and I first started dating, we went to a concert. We were at the Palladium. And she was like, holy shit, I think that's, I think that's Jeremy Saffer over there. And I was like, I don't, I'm unfamiliar. Who is Jeremy Saffer? And she starts going off about all the work that you've done. <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to embarrass the shit out of her right now. All the work that we've done, uh, that you had done. All like all these different photographs. She's like showing me stuff like in the middle of the concert. She's like trying to get a Wi-Fi signal and like show me all this different <laughs> stuff that you've done. And I'm like, oh, that's really cool. And then, you know, fast forward a few years later, you know, because like now I'm, I'm starting to be familiar with your work. I see, uh, you know, you come up to us and like, oh, yeah, let me let me take your picture because we were dressed as uh, the people from Stranger Things, like gender swapped Stranger Things. Yep. Awesome. And you were just like. Oh my god, that was so cool! Jeremy Safford took my. She's texting her sister to tell her, whom you you did meet. You did meet her sister uh, at that last concert we saw you guys at, and like since then, like you know, we see you out and about at different cons. Like you've always been super cool to us, and so like this is this is a really great opportunity. Like we're really glad that you were able to, uh, you know, bring some some local celebrity to us because we do really appreciate a the work that you do. And, and I see that. I just move my finger, you There's, know, from here to here, and it doesn't. There is more to it than that, and you are selling yourself way short. Because if it was that easy, everyone would do it. They do. Yeah. <laughs> there are varying levels of success and skill with which people take pictures. Like, you know, I am. I am. Uh, you are uh, slightly, uh, I would say, above uh, Karen taking a picture of her brunch. So, you know, you, don't sell your pretty sick Karen shots of my brunches. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so don't don't sell yourself short. Basically, what we're trying to say is uh, this is awesome for us. Like, this is really cool that we get to have you on the show with us because, you know, uh, you're just a, a, a rad person in real life for folks who have not gotten the chance. Like, you've always been super chill. You've always, you know, there's never been a time when you were like, oh, like, I'm super busy. Like, I can't really talk right now. You know, you've always been like, hey, man, how's it going? You know, talk to Ash, you know, um, you know, Ashley, Ashley's sister, who was very uh, excited to meet you and Tara because uh, they had had, you know, correspondence online for years and had never met, which was kind of cool. So it's, it's just uh, really awesome that it comes full circle. and We finally got you on. We finally got to talk to you about, you know, your book because we want people to buy the fucking book. Like, thank you, me too. Fingers yes, crossed. Yes. <laughs> thanks for having me. It's such an honor to be a part of it. Well, the honor is all ours. I assure you. Um, so before we let you go, uh, I don't have any more embarrassing stories. But uh, where can folks find you and find your work? All of my stuff is just Jeremy Saffer. Um, 
Facebook slash Jeremy Saffer, Instagram's Jeremy Saffer, Twitter's Jeremy Saffer, and then JeremySaffer.com. Excellent. Yeah, and you have just terabytes of amazing uh, photography, you know, spread throughout the internet. Well, thank you. And I do enjoy uh, following you on Twitter. Oh, my God, I get so mad. (laughs) (laughs) I was going to say, always entertaining, uh, always good to... uh, to see your stuff but uh thank you very much for joining us we really appreciate it uh daughters of darkness buy the book we will include links in the show description so we'll make it super easy barely an inconvenience for you guys to find it and uh uh, with that we'll let you go and uh when we come back we will uh give you a new battle and uh give you a preview of what's coming up over the next couple of weeks so we'll be right back Well, hello there, neighborinos. The handle's Mr. Most Days Off, but my friends call me Miles, and I'm the host of the Best Darn Diddly Review Show. Hello, Mr. Most Days Off. (laughs) And that's my best friend, Richie the WizKid, the co-host of Best Darn Diddly. Hi-dilly-ho there, podcasterinos. The Best Darn Diddly Review Show is a weekly journey through the entire Simpsons series, hosted by us, two guys who grew up loving the Simpsons. We discuss every diddly, every doodly, and every dope! So lace up your assassin sneakers, put on your skin-tight ski suit, and head down the slopes with us at Best Darn Diddly. Stupid, sexy Best Darn Diddly. You can catch us each and every Monday on bestdarndiddly.com. Hey there, this is JB. And if you enjoy Tales from the Crypt, then check out my show, Tales from the Podcast, where myself, and usually a very special guest, sit down to discuss the TV show, the films, the animated series, as well as the original comics. So check me out every other week on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Play, and of course, at TalesFromThePodcast.com. Thanks for listening, kiddies. You're all a scream. <laughs> and we are back. I hope you enjoyed that episode. That was a lot of fun. Like that was that was a blast. Like he's such a cool dude. He really is. Um, you know, we are very as you probably heard. I don't want to sound like I'm groveling, but like he's just a wicked cool guy, and I'm really glad he was able to finally take the time and be on the show. But definitely, if you are interested in checking out his work. Just look up Jeremy Saffer. It's A-S-A-F-F-E-R on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, JeremySaffer.com, Jinx. And, you know, he has a store full of a bunch of his prints that are just fantastic. And you can pre-order through i believe his website will bring you to the rare bird yes website to pre-order daughters of darkness which you should absolutely do because the book looks fantastic oh, i'm it's so, so cool. excited for yeah. it I, I can't wait to see this thing in person so if you're a fan of like black metal if you're a fan of like tasteful artistic nudes tasteful or what have nudes. you um you know definitely check this book out it'll I feel like it's a it's a coffee table book, a conversation piece. Especially for our friends. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. we'll put it out there. It's like, oh, we're hosting a PTA meeting. Oh, look, what's that? Oh, that's the Bathory edition of Daughters of Darkness. Would you like to thumb through it while you eat a scone? Because <laughs> <laughs> we will definitely have scones. 
just specifically so I can sing the song. I'm a scone man. Okay, moving on. Well, we we have a new battle this week, do we not? We do have a new battle to throw down. So, considering we have a new battle to throw down, that means we need to play the battle music. All right, so this week, Ashes, what do we have? So this week, we are throwing down Long May She Reign. Which infamous matriarch of mayhem was the most diabolical? You can choose from Countess Elizabeth Bathory, Queen Cersei Lannister, Madame Delphine LaFleurie, or the evil queen from Snow White. Yeah, all solid choices. All yeah. solid choices. All pretty sinister in their own right. Generally, I, I know who I'm going to pick before, uh, but I don't know who I'm going to pick yet. There are. Uh, I'm. I'm toying between a couple. And typically, when I see Cersei Lannister, I'm just like, yeah, Cersei Lannister. Like, I don't. I don't care what's going on. I don't care what the question is. The answer is. It's like those Cersei bumper stickers. It's Lannister. like Jesus is the answer. What's the question? Yeah. And, sometimes you know, I, if, if I'm answer. having a, if I'm having a day, I ask myself. WWCD. What would Cersei do? Yeah. It, the answer typically involves wine or or wildfire or something. You know, but. Wild wine. Wine fire. <laughs> wine fire. That, ooh, I wonder if I can do that for my... Science it up. Dungeons and Dragons character. Wine fire! Wine fire. It sounds like an 80s hair metal song. <laughs> so, oh, I didn't even mention that. Even my D&D character is inspired by Apotheca Elizabeth... Apotheca Von Bathory. Bathory, yeah. yeah. So her name is Apotheca Von Bathory. Uh, Apothic from the wines. And then... Vaughn, because you know, I gotta, gotta, gotta keep it real. Yes. And then Bathory, obviously, after Elizabeth Bathory, so she likes to she likes to consume her red wine beverages. Beverage. Yeah, we just found in our last campaign, we found a whole storeroom full of wine, and you had to get dragged out. Yeah, yeah, a whole like somebody was somebody had had taken all of the the barrels all the, of some wine. Gang. Yeah, some some gang of hoodlums. Yeah, and they took all the wine. They took they all the wine, and that, that, that's what motivated me to go yes. after them. It's they're like, like oh, oh they're, they're like they're they're pillaging our village. I was like, meh. They're like, oh, they're they stole you know. all the wine. I was like, what? Oh, we it? must bring these brigands that's to the justice. Straw. Um, and the good thing, uh, it was very our 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 very gracious dungeon master created this room. I feel like he created this room just for me. I think he did. I think a like a room full of just unopened wine barrels just begging to be uncorked and a Shea lounge. <laughs> well, I mean our our dungeon master is uh, our good buddy Coop, so yes. <laughs> you know, so I think he added those personal touches. So, what do we have coming up? Uh I have an interview that I did with a uh, YouTube guy because uh, I don't like the term YouTuber. He is a YouTube guy. His name is Addison Binnick. He does movies for a rainy afternoon. There's over 120 episodes on there. And um, I interviewed him with on Shark Bites, but I screwed up the audio. So I'm just going to put out like a little uh, 
a little uh, quick episode this week, and then I'm going to re-interview him next week because his Kickstarter is only good until uh, the 1st of July, uh, 3 p.m. Eastern. And what he is doing is he is looking to... He's, he kind of does like an MST3K thing, but he does a lot more to it. Like there's puppets and like there's... You know, he writes skits and, and there's a lot more in between it. So it's not just some some jerk sitting in front of his, uh, you know, TV, you know, riffing on a movie. Like there are scripts that's him and two other people write the script. Uh, like I said, they have puppets, really, and corny. Not evil corny. Uh, he's just a, a popcorn box and then really is a movie reel. And so it's him that's and his two adorable. friends. That's adorable. It's awesome. I'm going to post links in the group so people can see what oh, it I is. Oh, I love that. Uh, he actually did a couple of movies um, where Troma, uh, uh, Lloyd Kaufman gave him a couple movies to do. And like he did full, you know, full length, feature length uh, episodes. And now he's looking to do the same thing. And he's raising money to um, to essentially get the the licensing fees for the films Mm -hmm. that's what he's doing like he has all the cameras and the green screen like he's been doing all this stuff for several years like one of his videos has over two million views so uh check out the uh shark bites episode that uh should be up by the time this comes up because uh addison works really hard on it and uh, we really want to get his his Kickstarter funded because uh, he's actually a really cool guy who was introduced to us by our friend who does uh, Biohazard Babies. Mm-hmm. Uh, she suggested that uh, Addison reach out to me for a little bit of help, and I'm going to help him out as much as I can. Uh, also, this weekend, it is Patsy the Angry Nerds Trivia Throwdown. So if you are interested, we have... And I'll be there. Ash- Ashes will be there providing color commentary through wine. And uh, helping keep score. And um, we are going to be giving away a ton of prizes. We have a bunch of books. We have movies. We have uh, uh, DC Primal Age figures. We have Funkos, like really cool Funkos. Um, We're also going to be giving away... What's the prize that you picked? So... It's a Deadly Grounds prize pack for those of you who like to stay caffeinated. So you will get to choose a bag, any flavor of Deadly Grounds, and we'll also send you a mug. That's right. So all you have to do, there's going to be 25-ish questions, depending on how close the uh, the score is at the end. I might add a few more just to, to make sure we break the tie. Uh, we're going to have several places that get prizes. And the way it works is we'll put together the prize packs. We'll show you what they are. And if you come in first, you get to choose what you want. So it's not like, okay, here's first prize, here's second prize, here's third prize. Because, like, you know, maybe you don't want first prize. You know, maybe you want second prize. So whoever comes in first gets to pick what they want. And then second place gets to pick and third and fourth and so on. I will say that there really isn't, like, a first place, second. Like, each prize pack is pretty solid right it's whoever gets the most points gets to choose so it's not like it's the big you you will get to have first dibs on all of these prize packs there's there's quite a few of them yeah there's a bunch of different stuff there's a throwdown thursday shirt in there there's a uh like i i i can i play too no i can just buy you presents okay we also will be giving (laughs) away um 
another Throwdown Thursday prize pack, and that's anybody who enters gets, or anyone who participates gets entered. Um, there is a $5 fee to uh, participate because we put up all these prizes Be- ourselves. Yes, but there's a lot of prizes. Like, seriously, if you chip in $5 and you win, you are you getting way are more than your right. money's it's, worth. It's ridiculous. Yeah, so we're fucking crazy. Yeah, I don't know what we <laughs> what we were thinking. This is this is the result of our quarantine. We're like, hey, what can we do? There is a PayPal PayPal link that we have. Obviously, we'll share this again. We'll put it in the description for the show. Uh, there's a PayPal link. There is a. Um, you can also do Facebook Pay if you have that. Some yeah. people have plenty done plenty of plenty of options. So yeah, we've already got several people confirmed and bought in. So, you know, we're we're looking forward to it. We're very excited. And everyone who wins, everyone who gets something will have a little bit of uh throwdown Thursday swag thrown into their uh their their packaging as well because as as uh Jorge and Colleen and uh Coop found out, like there was a bunch of extra stuff in there. Uh, right, and all of this swag, it's stuff that we bought to go to conventions and whatnot this year. <gasps> and conventions aren't happening, so our loss is your gain. Right, and this is just a really fun thing. And we have fixed the uh, the uh, uh, message issue. Yes, so there shouldn't be an issue. You shouldn't be locked out. We're going to be broadcasting live on StreamYard, which broadcasts to Twitch, Facebook, and YouTube. So we'll be able to see comments from all three, all three live feeds. So even if you don't have a Facebook, you're only on Twitter. I'm looking at you, Riku. Uh, you're not you're not a fan of Facebook, or you got rid of your Facebook. There you go. You still have YouTube. You still have uh, the option of Twitter. Uh, I'm sorry, Twitch. I keep saying Twitter. Twitch. I mean, it's it's the twa. It's the twit. The twit. Um. So yeah, we've got that going on. Uh, we've got some great stuff coming up for you. Uh, we're hoping to have a Watchmen episode coming soon. Which might come sooner rather than later. So I recently just watched the film for the first time. So we might need to do uh, another Ashley's first watch episode. Yeah, because you really liked this too. And the reason, and, and yeah, and the reason we started. Well, the reason I watched you, you rewatched um, the film is because. We're now watching the HBO series. Yeah, I watched the HBO series, and I was like, oh, you might not like it because you haven't seen the movie. So I'm like, after watching to the end, like, that final scene, the final shot just blew me away. And I'm like, okay, um, you need to watch this. Yeah, so we're only two episodes in right now, and I'm already madly in love with Regina King's character. Oh, she's amazing. And just wait till you see her backstory. So if you have any thoughts, questions, concerns about Watchmen, uh, either the movie, the comic, or the show, like that's going to be a pretty good episode. We might have to get a couple of guests on for that. Yeah, so I think that might be a two-parter mm. where we talk about the film one episode and then the series the next episode. So i got to finish watching it first. But yes. I'm really kind of glad that I jumped aboard that. Yeah. I'm, because I'm, it's, it's really good so far. I'm, my goal is to keep the streak alive. So far, I've been really good about like having you watch stuff that I think is amazing. And you've been right there. Well, I mean, some of it is stuff that's been on my list of, oh, I need to check this out. But, 
you know, that list is ever growing because more and more stuff keeps coming out. Yeah. So, so we will, you know, uh, it's it's nice to use this this I want to say downtime for lack of a better word, you know, to kind of catch up on some of these films that I haven't had a chance to check out yet. Yeah. And if you have any recommendations for me, if if you know of something that I may not have seen or you know, you don't know if I've seen it, you can you can recommend something, ask me, I'll let you know. Yeah. So we'll be uh, we'll be doing that in the future. We've got a couple more ideas uh kind of simmering, but uh we hope to see you all this Saturday the 27th. At 8 p.m. Eastern, or we're gonna we're gonna log on around 7:30, just to kind of oh, get yeah. things. And I'm gonna I'm gonna do a couple of free questions just to uh, kind of help set rolling. the mood. Yeah, help wet your whistle. So we'll we'll log on around 7:30 Eastern, and we will uh, we will start to ask questions at 8 p.m. So you have a little bit of time. Um, and if you come in late, don't worry about it. You know. Like I said, lots we'll of places, you. lots of places are going to get prizes. Like there's a ton of prizes on here. And like I said, we'll be posting pictures of everything. We'll show what the different prize packs are. Uh, there's something for everybody, I think. So I think with that being said, <gasps> we, we will, will see you, you next Thursday. Thursday. And hopefully this Saturday, come play trivia with us. Woohoo! Sacrifices you made for me. I hate you for every time you ever bled for me. I hate you for the way you smile when you look at me. I hate you for never taking control of me. I hate you for always saving me from myself. I hate you for always choosing me and not someone else. I hate you for always pulling me back from the edge. I hate you for every god for me. I love the way you dominate and you violate me. I love you for